1: It is 6.04 in the evening. You're with Lynn and Kelvin on the evening edition. As promised, it's time for Mm. Movers and Shakers. And this time around, we're discussing Technical and Vocational Education and Training in the Country, or TVET. Joining us in the studio is Technologist Dr Mohamed Naim Yaqub, Acting Director-General at the Department of Polytechnic and Community College Education at the Ministry of Education. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you for the invite. Thank you for having me here today.
1: <laughs> so again, if you have any questions at all for Dr. Naim, uh do call us double seven double three two nine hundred, WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, it is about Tibet. It's a topic that traditionally gets. Kind of, you know, very interesting thoughts and reactions, so do send them our way. Um, so to start us off, could you perhaps explain the different routes that students can take when it comes to TVET education, beginning from secondary school?
0: Certainly. Uh, but I can start with primary, actually. There is, uh, at year four, we have this uh, subject called Requebentur Technology, where it introduces uh, kids to, you know, uh, about things, how things work and how mechanisms work. Uh, in the area of technology. And they continue uh, up to year 4, uh, 5, and 6. And when they go to the uh, secondary level in forms 1, 2, and 3, they can continue taking this uh, recommended technology. So that's where the uh, early secondary uh, TVET introduction is. And further down the road, uh, at uh, forms 4 and 5, aged 16 and 17, they have several options. One is to uh, take this what we say the uh, vocational colleges, uh, where they, uh, they, they enter this program that will end up them after two years, taking the CGL Vocational Malaysia. And uh, after that, if they are successful, they can still continue uh, for the two more years with the Diploma Vocational Malaysia. Uh, back to the situation after the PT3, uh, for those who are clearly not academically inclined, uh, you know, their abilities and their interests have shown that they are clearly not uh, learning into abstract things, into algebra, trigonometry. They are into practical, you know, hands-on things. Uh, this There's a program called uh, PIMA, Program Industry Menengah Atas, where they will be placed as apprentice in the industries. And as they work through, they also learn only to take three subjects for SPM, the Bahasa Melayu. Bahasa Inggris and Sejarah. There's another program yet called Program Vocational Menengah Atas. Same for the students who do not really have interest much more in academic. They can take these other options. Uh, so these, are, and, and yet, there's another one, uh, Sekolah Menengah Technique, nine of them in Malaysia. These are the people who actually uh, have ambition to become engineers, for example, or accountants, and they want to have a head start in these Tibet courses. So they go into the technical secondary schools and they will go on and take the SPM. But they have additional subjects like uh, what we call it uh, engineering drawing. And they go into these uh, workshops and labs and do these uh, hands-on things. So when they're successful there at the SPM and they go into matriculation Mm. or even the foundation program in the universities, they already have a head start that the academically route students uh, do not have a chance to go what they have experienced. So those are the TVET introduction at the uh, late primary and early secondary schools.
2: So what makes someone a good candidate for TVET? You You mentioned a lot about the fact that maybe someone's not so academically inclined or so much for abstract ideas that perhaps the traditional education course might take you. What else makes a good TVET candidate?
0: Yeah, uh, if they like to work with things, you know, they they don't they are not like working on paper. Uh, they need to have their hands on on things and work on projects, you know, and work on teams. Uh, so this is uh, a good a good route, route for them. Uh, I've experienced uh, a case where one of our banks, you know, they employ these uh, polytechnic uh, interns, and the, the assignment that the bank used to give to the degree holders like selling bank products, insurance, you know, uh, and all kind of stuff. Uh, But the polytechnic interns uh, did perform better because they are into more uh, meeting with people, have more, like, empathy with people. So these are good candidates for for TVET, as you ask.
1: Now, as we said earlier, if you have any questions, that number is double seven double three two nine hundred. WhatsApp 018 789 8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. We already have some questions coming through. Um, and first up on the line we have Alia. Alia, good evening. What are your Oh We do not have Alia. Um although we do have her question, and it's the fact that some rural schools may not be able to afford. I think um to implement this program in full or to implement it in the way that they would
0: want to, how can we get around this? Okay, One way is at the uh, upper secondary level, forms four and five, there is boarding uh, technical secondary schools. People from uh, all geographic areas can come and they have given hostels. That's where they can really learn the the real stuff. But at the other places, uh, I'm thinking even about the mobile TVET uh, lab, uh, something like a mobile library. Uh, which have not been introduced, but I think it should be to allow students at least once a week or once a fortnight to have their hands on the things that they like to do. So this is one way we can bring. Uh, Of course, the other one is, you know, computer simulations could be one way, but it's not the same as the real stuff. But at least uh, they can have an idea of how things work and so on.
2: So I'm curious about uh, the fact that you said it starts from the f- uh, from standard four, and to me it seems like it's a little bit early for parents to say, okay, you know what, you're not so great uh, academically, so I'm gonna put you into TVET when when you're about ten years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, for normal. Uh, the normal route is that you only kind of be you only kind of start taking a more specialist route when you are say in form four when you go to the science or art stream. So what is going through the minds of parents when they choose to send their kids into the TVET program starting from ages ten and above?
0: Oh, that's not yet specialization. Right. In fact, that's introduction. In fact, there's always a way out if they are after form even. Uh, year four five six you know when they go to the form one they Mm. can just opt out of that that program so this is better to give them the option the you know the 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 close-up to what the program is and um, it's not committal for them to to go through that but it's important for them to have the the options and not just listening about it or know about it but really experience it early so if they like it they continue if not they can do other stuff
1: So we have a question here from WhatsApp, uh, from Faisal who says, what's the difference between vocational training in Malaysia compared to Singapore's
0: ITE institution? Okay, well, uh, first, the different magnitude of the the two countries. You know, Singapore is about 5 million people and we have about uh, maybe 32 million. So uh, it's more manageable over there in Singapore. Uh, ITE, Institute of uh, Technical Education, uh, focus on the certificate level, and uh, they have take the, they call it uh, NITEC, National uh, ITE uh, Certificate. And then uh, after that, uh, they can either opt out to work or continue to the polytechnics in Singapore. Uh, in Malaysia, uh, you cannot really compare that like uh, apples to apples. It's mm-hmm. a bit different system here. As I mentioned, uh, if they go into uh, schools at the upper secondary, at the Forms 4 and 5, But after that, after Form 5, after SPM, uh, they can have the options to go, because just now we talk only at the secondary level, but post-secondary-wise, they have the options to go, for example, to polytechnics, a three-year diploma, or a two-year community college certificate. And because there's about maybe seven ministries in Malaysia offering TVEt, they have other TVEt institutions to to apply for, like uh, the Industrial uh, Training Institute, or ILP under the Ministry of Human Resources. They also have the Mara Institute, IKM, Gyat Mara. They have the Institute Kemahiran Belia Negara, Institute Kemahiran Tinggi Belia Negara. Yet they have uh, so many other like uh, agricultural, uh, agriculture courses. So that's not really compare. Uh, There's no real comparison, you know. But we know that ITE actually what they have transformed is. They have transformed the vocational into something that parents want to know by by building these good, good buildings that look like they are equipped well with those equipment. And when you as parents walk by the IT in Singapore, you will feel you want to have your students study there. So that image of a good institution with, uh, you know, yeah, properly uh, filled with equipments and all, compared to a building which is shoddy and, you know, with... Uh, lapidated uh, equipment. So this is the image. This is where the IT has managed to uplift the image of Tibet and make it a choice. And they have a very high employability rate. As well as Malaysia's too. We have quite high employability rate among our Tibet graduates. So we're going to be exploring
1: that idea of perception and image, I think, in more detail in just a bit. We do, however, have Toby on the line uh, who has a question. Toby, good evening. What are your thoughts? Hi. um, I'm just wondering, well, an attitude Tests be conducted on uh, students when they're young to determine if uh, they would be ben- uh, would benefit from uh, joining TVET. Toby, thanks for the question.
0: Dr um, Naim? Is that attitude? Asking? Aptitude. Aptitude, yeah. Mm. Well, de- definitely, you know, there are scientific tests to kind of measure to what extent your inclination is, uh, psychometric tests and all. And now with the uh, power of computing and artificial intelligence, Uh, If you track the record of the students in terms of their abilities and their interests and their involvement in co-curricular activities, their tendencies, uh, we can store this information in the database and as they progress through the primary years and secondary years, you uh, have this rich information and data on them. Uh, So at the end, the ideal is that uh, maybe after SPM, The system, in a way, can propose to the particular student, this is your ability, this is your inclination, your interest. These are the type of programmes you can choose for further education. If you want to work, these are the kind of job that suits you, and these are the kind of pay you will get, and these are kind of companies and industry and their location. So now there's no stopping uh, technology in terms of artificial intelligence to really uh, have the rich information given to you. The uh, aptitude tests and all are a little bit old school, uh, but now we should tap on real, you know, real time information through uh, digital information for that.
1: We're discussing technical and vocational education and training in our country today, or specifically TVET. Uh, with us is technologist Dr. Muhammad Naim Yakub, who's also the acting DG at the Department of Polytechnic and Community College Education. Up next, uh, we're going to be talking about how a T-VET course might differ from, say, um, a diploma or a degree. We're also going to be talking about that issue of perception, which is very real and pressing. Sure. If you have any questions, do call us, double seven, double three, two nine hundred, WhatsApp, zero one eight seven eight nine, double eight, double nine, and tweet us at BFM radio.
0: Brainy fancy material, BFM eighty nine point nine.
1: Good evening. You're listening to Lynn and Kelvin today and it is Movers and Shakers where it really is your show in many ways. We want to answer the questions that you want to ask. With us um, is technologist Dr Muhammad Naim Yaqub, who's the acting DG at the Department of Polytechnic and Community College Education at the MOE. And we're talking about TVET, Technical and Vocational Education and Training in our country. Um, so, I think before we get to uh, some of the questions that have come in via WhatsApp, we do have to ask, I mean, what does a TVET course encompass and how might it differ from, let's say, you know, let's look at landscape design. How might a landscape design course in a vocational college differ from a diploma or a degree in landscape architecture?
0: Okay, Uh, this thing thing called the Malaysian Qualifications uh, Framework, uh, you know, monitored by the Malaysian Qualifications Agency, uh, in, for all courses and programs, there are eight levels, uh, starting with certificates one, two, three. A level four is diploma, a level five advanced diploma, a level six degree, seven is master's, eight is PhD. So all programs that wants to be accredited by this MQA needs to follow these seven levels. So a diploma, as you mentioned, uh, if if there's a diploma in uh, landscape design, you know, and compared to diploma in uh, landscape architecture. Uh, There's this thing called learning outcome. So what is your main learning outcome from this particular program? If you want that students to graduate with ability in designing, you call it diploma in design. If you want it to be more architecture, you call it diploma architecture. Then it comes into credit hours. So all diploma programs must have at least 90 credit hours and they must have this thing called student learning time. And this student, student learning time is a very systematic way of calculating what would be the workload for the student, for a a course within a program. You know, the way we coin terms is that a diploma in architecture is a program. Under that program, there are many courses. Used to be, the program is called course, and under that course, there are many subjects. So now it's called program and courses. And this, uh, every course has a credit hour attached to it. So the more difficult the more time consuming and the more things that a student needs to do in order to do well in that particular course, the higher the credit hour. So for a diploma, is minimum 90 credit hours. And the name, it depends on what the learning outcome that you, you, you like the students to have. But in the end, it will have to be approved by the Malaysian Qualifications Agency. Uh, in the beginning, before you start the program, you submit your uh, application for what they say, Provisional accreditation. And before the first batch of your graduates come out, you will apply for full accreditation. So that's the difference between the diploma uh, and a degree. And a certificate needs only 60 credit hours, Mm -hmm. diploma 90, and degree uh, 120 credits. And the name depends on the learning outcome. And also inside there, there's this thing called the body of knowledge. If you're into more designing, call it design. If you're more into like construction, call it construction. And the uh, quali- qualifications agency will come and uh, check. Let's say your learning outcome is for students to make shoes, but they only design the shoes. They do not produce any shoe. So you will not get the accreditation. So it depends on what the learning outcome of your students want to be.
2: Dr. Naim, let's talk uh, about perception. We have a question here from Zaidi that says, uh, TVET graduates are respectfully regarded as second class compared with non-TVET graduates. Uh, How can we change this uh, perception? For example, it is a case where uh, there are ideas out there that it's only for students who don't perform well academically or it leads to low-paying jobs with little advancement. So how can we fix that perception issue?
0: Yeah, everything is almost... You know, undoubtedly connected to salary and income. People look at that. Uh, If you look at some of the qualifications, for example, uh, Microsoft Network Engineer, it's not a degree-needing job, but those who work as a Microsoft Network Engineer earns very high. Uh, Pilots, uh, not all pilots need to have a degree. People look up at pilots because the way they dress, you know, uh, the importance of their work even though without a bachelor's degree and the kind of income they, they earn. So these are the factors that now uh, TVET, uh, unfortunately, are not enjoying. Uh, plus, we see that the influx of cheap foreign labour in the, what the so-called Tibet sector. Actually, in terms of the occupational hierarchy, it starts with a professional. Below that, are what we call associate professional. And yet below that, are mainly, you know, semi-skilled and below that are manual manual workers. So the intention of Malaysia should be like if jobs that are considered to be like 3D jobs, dirty, difficult, dangerous, low-paying 3D jobs, these are actually, we don't design them for locals. Uh, we fail if we design them for locals. We want our Malaysians to have a, a decent wage, a decent earnings that needs, you know, a certain decent level of qualifications. So uh, the thing is, uh, everybody wants a good job, a high-paying job, mm-hmm. and they look into universities. Uh, of course, the Form 6 and then the matriculation as a route to higher degrees, uh, bachelor's degrees, that they think will earn them well, which is true for engineers, doctors, lawyers, You know, accountants, earn relatively higher than others. Uh, but the number of them flocking into these programs are so many compared to available jobs. If you remember Bank Negara Malaysia, in its 2018 report mentioned, for the last 10 years, on average, the output of all these degree and diploma courses are about 170, 174,000 yearly. Yet, net jobs created is only 98,000. So where is the balance? What are they doing? So, But in TVET sector, that's where the jobs are. For every engineer, you need a few engineering assistants. Diploma level. For every engineering assistant, you need a few technicians on this certificate level. So it's like a, a pyramid, but it's not an upright pyramid. It's more like a barrel shape. But in the middle, that's where the jobs are aplenty. So the advantage of choosing TVET is that likely the likelihood is that you'll get a job, even though not high paying as the professional in the beginning, but as you progress along your career, as you gain the experience, As you acquire professional certification, you will be aptly rewarded. You will be highly regarded by your employer. The employer will not let you go. He will offer a better paying job, a better, higher salary to keep you. So we should not look at it as just a snapshot, you know, six months after graduation but a whole lifetime career. So, um, but <clears> is
1: this going to be an issue then of changing a mindset over a generation? Because as you say, you know, there are very clear lines where, and there are very clear benefits to doing these courses, to entering these spaces where there is money to be made, there are jobs to be had. And yet that that second class, you know, perception continues um, in some cases, especially I think for uh, people who did grow up Thinking the only path is with a university. Yeah. So, is it going to be something that we have to change over a generation? Is it going to take a
0: decade? Yeah, we we can't wait a decade. You know, we have to move fast. We have done a lot, but a lot is still not enough. We have to really work harder. Go to places we have, we've not been before. You know, I'm glad BFM has called me to this kind of program talking about Tibet. We should do this more often with other radio and broadcast channels, and whether it's printed or. You know digital media, so we are you know, trying to promote and propagating Tibet, But we are, we, th- we keep we, we need to do to do more, and we need to use uh, you know technology like artificial intelligence, big data, to really show people you know this is one area that is uh, have high potential for for students that will please their parents and the community.
2: So we have a question here from Yvonne that asks: Some have the opinion that TVET could replace uh, the 3D jobs held by foreign workers to be more uh, skills hev- to be a more skills-heavy industry, but the salary in these in- uh, industries are not very attractive for TVET students. What are your opinions on this?
0: Yeah, uh, well, employers will pay employees good pay if they have skills that are not easily acquired, or search or found. You know, uh, if. It's about supply and demand, just like commodities. If you have plenty of that stuff, then the price will go down. Like your skills. So have skills that are not easily uh, found and and do not only depend on uh, qualifications that you obtain formally through schools or to Tibet institutions. I would like to cite a case of one uh, Polytechnic Diploma graduate. Uh, It's a graduate of Maintenance Repair Overhaul. But he doesn't stop there. Uh, Maybe he will work in that field for a while. But he keeps continuing getting professional certification in terms of non-destructive testing. Just to say as an example. So through ultrasound method, through x-ray method, non-destructive testing. So much so that now companies are calling that person to do this NDT testing and paying him well for that. So now he left his job. He is now a freelance NDT tester. And he is earning 25000 on average a month. So we need this kind of uh, looking beyond just formal qualification. Think of what industry and the employees need, you know, that will get you a good paying job. We're talking today about TVET, uh,
1: which is Technical and Vocational Education and Training. It's one that we've been talking about for quite some time, this idea of how to improve it, how to make it better, how to make it attractive. And we're trying to address all that today, but we also want to hear from you. If you have any questions, you can call us 777-332-900. You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899. You can, of course, also tweet us at BFM Radio. We've already received some questions via WhatsApp, which we will get to um, and keep it here on the evening edition, BFM 89.9.
0: Building fit Malaysians, BFM 89.9.
1: It's 6.35. Good evening. You're with Lynn and Kelvin, as well as um, live in the studio with us, technologist Dr Muhammad Naim Yaqub, Acting DG at the Department of Polytechnic and Community College Education at the MOE. We're talking today about Technical and Vocational Education and Training, or TVET. So... Before we get going again, just a quick reminder: if you have any questions, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can also WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, we have a comment here from Sharul Akma who says, "When it comes to changing the mindset, not everything should be equated to monetary gain and high salary." Um, Doctor Naim, how would you respond?
0: Well, there's some, of course, there's truth in it. You know, it's about self, about, uh, job satisfaction and fulfilling your interests and all. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, but uh, you know, as they say in Malay, you know, do it. Not can do it. Something like that. <clears throat> so, but but I do appreciate you know people who really follow their passion. Uh, whether it's in arts, you know. But uh, again, some, more often than not, more often than not, your means of livelihood will be a, a, a very crucial factor in, in how you move forward in your life.
1: Yeah. And on the line with us right now is Mokhtar. Uh, Mukta, good evening. What are your thoughts? I would just like to ask the gentleman, would it be more interesting for the students
0: uh, teaching in these uh, colleges if the medium of teaching is English, would it not that be more interesting, more uh, acceptable? Yeah, what's that?
1: Thank you very much for your question. So, um, yeah, it is, is there going to be... Would teaching in English make it more attractive? Uh,
0: because of the, uh, I would say, prevalence of the language, especially in the in the technical and scientific circles, you know, the terms and uh, the resources available, whether it's offline or online, are mainly English, and, and Malaysia would do, I think, good if, if they choose that their route too. But when we do that, we are not undermining the national language, the Bahasa Melayu, Bahasa Malaysia. That's also important for national unity, for the uh, identity of the country. But, uh, you know, that having a second language, a third language also, is also something that value add, add a lot of value to what, your credentials are and your ability. So, I would say, uh, in a way, it would give you a hands up, or uh, heads up, you know, uh, learning in, in English about all those technical stuff. And a lot of the manuals uh, are in English, definitely your high tech stuff, your automobile, your car, your your machinery, you know. So, it'd be good to, to and we do, you know, especially in the polytechnics, uh, you know, uh, try to, as much as possible, have students to what we say bilingual, bilingual approach.
2: We have a question here from David that says, TVET jobs like plumbing and gas fitters in the UK have far better paid than uh, graduates. Why are wages here seeming well, this is an add-on, like, why are wages here seemingly low for TVET graduates or is that just a perception?
0: Well, it's true. Uh, if you compare UK, Europe, America, you know, yeah, those jobs you mentioned, plumbing, you know, gas fitters and electrical wiremen, Uh, They're not as paying here This is not only perception This is what we need to change And to change this uh, The government can always uh, Kind of uh, prod on the industry You know, encourage them But it's always the employers and industry Uh, You know In trying to balance between Profit and loss versus Giving uh, good Pay for for workers, you know This is what industry need to, I think, take cognizance Uh, I think that that uh, once you, it's like a virtuous cycle. If you get in people with good qualifications and you pay them decently, ho- well, uh, hopefully they will be more productive and it benefits the companies and the employers which have more profit, hopefully. And this is a, a vicious cycle that w- you would like to have. Unfortunately, uh, there is uh, evidence and we've been seeing for the last, a decade or so, the tendency to get cheap foreign labour. With that abundance of cheap foreign labour from nearby countries, the, the urge or the necessity to automate, to have more high-tech uh, processes into their processes of production is, is not there. As long as the availability of cheap foreign labour is there, then it kind of uh, let the industry in a comfort zone. Uh, is always available, you know. Uh, so that's where <clears throat> the situation for Malaysia, and somehow, you know, what government policies have done is to impose, for example, uh, double levy if they have if they take uh, foreign labor. But again, the federations and the organizations or employers are against it, and they will say that they will pass down the extra cost to the consumers. So we need somehow to find a way uh, how to. You know, kind of encourage and the employers feel industry feel there's a need to uplift the pay scale of, of uh, Malaysians. You know government can give the guide uh, uh, for that kind of qualifications with what the government jobs are. But again, uh, industry have a cho- have a choice. If they advertise uh, an occupation, a job, and there's so many people applying for it, and that's about supply and demand again. If you do not want, then there will be 100 people queuing up for it. And again, they they call it now, is the employer's market. So, But uh, in the long run, where will it lead to? You know, uh, low-paying jobs. and we, It's kind of we're creating jobs for foreigners. So we need also to do that for our local Malaysians.
2: So your agency's observation is that because employers are not willing to invest in uh, tech that might make them more productive, which also then leads to a higher demand of higher skills and higher skilled jobs that we are stuck in this place where we just have low quality, low paying jobs. So bad jobs, essentially.
0: Yes, and we definitely need to change that uh,
2: somehow.
1: We also have an anonymous message here from WhatsApp uh, saying, Hi, my son is in Form 3 now and will be sitting for the PT3 exams. What are the minimum criteria in pt uh, in terms of the PT3 results for TVET programs, you know, when you're going on to Form 4 and 5, or as a 16 or 17-year-old?
0: Okay, after PT3, if you want to go into TVET, uh, if you are, have like a, a kind of, a, you know, good result with several credits in uh, sciences and mathematics, we, you can use the vocational colleges. Uh, start with the CJL uh, Vocational Malaysia for two years, up to Form 5. And if you continue to be successful, you can continue. You can exit the school, go into polytechnics, or you can continue the, into the vocational colleges at the diploma level. After which, you have a choice either to work, or to further study, or to become entrepreneur. Uh, but uh, you know it, it doesn't take too much uh, of a qualification to enter the vocational colleges. Uh, several credits, here and there, especially in the mathematics and sciences.
2: And our next message here comes from Jesse, a question rather. Uh, Can working adults join TVET courses as well if you're interested?
0: Okay. There is uh, a few kind of institutions that cater for adults like community colleges. On weekends, they offer courses like bakery, uh, uh, culinary, uh, anything that you are interested in uh, for hobby or as a means to be an entrepreneur, you know. Uh, the community colleges. The other one is the Pusat Giat Mara. You can do that too. So these are all available uh, all over the country. So you can still do. There's no age limit actually for that.
1: And now we have a caller on the line. Uh, good evening, Robert. What's your question?
0: Uh, hello. Good evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, many many of our mechanics, uh, plumbers, uh, wiremen, and so on, uh, are not Tibet graduates. In fact they are most of them are school drops out. they are they're they're not really educated but but they're very skillful in, in, in their profession. How do they obtain the skill yeah? okay. Thank you so much for calling Robert. Um Dr. Naim? What do okay. you think? If they want to formalize their qualification, as I mentioned, there's a route called APEL, uh, accredita- accreditation of prior experiential learning. Uh, collect all the evidence that they have. Uh, they will be tested. They will be tested on certain uh, things that they should be able to do on a certain machinery, equipment, and the skills that they have. For example, how do you troubleshoot a faulty uh, car engine? And in how much time can you do that? So once they pass that, they will be given the proper certification, whether diploma or the Malaysian skill certification. So that they can do that. Now, the reason why we have uh, mechanics and electrical wiremen and plumbers who do not have formal qualification, yet they they learn on the job. You see, this is what we want to try to avoid. Uh, we want to avoid people doing trial and error. Who knows that the car that you try to repair, you know. You might cause some fault, fault to the brake, this and so on. We want them, before they even touch the customer's car or or refrigerator, or piping system, you know. They have enough training. And they have been tested such that they can do that. And then, you want to license them or certify them. So, if you want to work on a car engine, you must be, for example, and uh, a mechanic certified uh, by a certain uh, authority. For example, Surajaya Tenaga, Surajay Tenaga Energy Commission certifies electrical wiremen. So even before you can touch any cabling, you need to undergo their test. And be called a wireman, a pendawai electric, and then only you can work there, which is a good job, actually. So we have to need... uh, We we need more and more of such certifications, such that the image also will, will rise because people see that these are not just your students who just drop out of schools and they just work on a car garage under the tree and they work their way through trial and error. No. It has to be something formal, something being tested on their skills and get a proper certification. So that will uplift the image of TVET in a way.
1: We're speaking today about Technical and Vocational Education and Training, or TVET. Um, in the studio with us is technologist Dr. Mohammed Naim Yaakob, acting DG at the Department of Polytechnic and Community College Education. If you have any questions about TVET, about vocational training, call us double seven double three2900 WhatsApp 18 and tweet us at BFM Radio.
0: Audacious, fabulous minds. BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: It's 6.48 and you're with Lynn and Kelvin on the evening edition. Live in the studio with us is Dr. Mohammed Naim Yakub, acting DG at the Department of Polytechnic and Community College Education at the MoE. We're talking today about technical and vocational education and training, or TVET. So we've been asking you for your questions. You can call 7773 2900. You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Just looking through uh, the last few of the questions that have come through recently. So Alia points out, um, I think something pretty interesting. More often than not, when it comes to awareness of opportunities, when it comes to TVET, parents are the ones who need to be educated first. What is the department's plan to target
0: the parents for awareness creation? Okay, very good point there. Uh, We've been doing this every year, uh, different zones in Malaysia, six zones, Sabah, Sarawak, uh, South, North, East and West of Malaysia, Uh, just about before the SPM results are released. We have this carnival called Jom Masuk IPT. In fact, it means Jom Sambung Belajar, actually. So there, we have booths of all the TVET and higher degree provider, university, everything is there. And we invite a public to come. And we have talk sessions. We have a meeting with graduates of these institutions, job opportunities, you know, pay scale and everything. Uh, A few times we have invited the school counsellors. Parents are always there, uh, the school children, principals, to tell them of all the possible opportunities, all options. Uh, When I'm talking about Tibet, I'm not just championing Tibet per se and undermining the, the rest. Higher education is important for the country's development, but this uh, less travel route, Tibet, you know, and people are flocking to where the jobs are, but not that a plenty, but people are not going to where the jobs are. And in the long term, of after your initial training, you know, even though you have a diploma or certificate, as I mentioned earlier, you know, it's not going to be another maybe 30, 35 years down the road for in your career. So many things are going to happen. Technology will change. What you have learned will change, you know. This is where <clears throat> uh you need to uh, kind of uh, get more what we say continuous training, lifelong learning. So for for parents, you know, uh, do not see only, you know, the short term because the future for the child will be the next 35, 40 years, not only the next one year or so. You know, having the degree or even the diploma is not the be all and end all. They have to actually... Uh, actually develop their child or their their children to be, you know, lifelong learners, people who are, you know, problem solvers, people who are team workers, then it will go further. Otherwise, they will be just stuck in one job and they will be frustrated throughout their career if they only have a very short-term view of things.
2: So, Education Minister Dr. Masli Malik is heading the TVET Empowerment Committee, uh, which, according to the Minister, sets out to review TVET-related issues thoroughly and to devise a new strategy to strengthen TVET. Uh, What's the approach taken in that task?
0: Yeah, we've taken stock of what we have now, uh, the numbers, number of students, employability rate. We've also taken into account uh, consultant reports from uh, for example, Boston Consulting Group, Malaysian Consulting Group, Price Waterhouse Coopers, and see what they have found. What are their recommendations, and why are these not being uh, implemented yet? Uh, so we take care of that, and we still uh, because things have changed. We go to the ground through town hall sessions. We meet and greet people uh, from all walks of life: public, private you know, providers, industry, uh, school children, teachers, counselors, principals, and they come and tell us. Uh, at the moment, there's five themes that emerge. One is that um, because of the many TVET providers, things to be needs to be more well coordinated. So there's issue of governance or tabi urus. Second one is industry participation. Difficult yet so important. This is what we are grasping in you know thin air. Uh, yes, industry have been cooperative, but uh, how do we get a representation that tells us this is the next way five years down the road? You know, is, is it going to be like more natural resources to be the mainstream of Malaysia's economy? Is it going to be like manufacturing? And then what about technology? If we train people for, let's say, fourth industrial revolution and they are ready, but industry is not ready, you know? So chicken and egg. So now we have to like... Prepare our graduates for all kinds of level of industry. Some are still in the first, uh, second revolution, automation. Some are the you know very advanced, and uh, that's two. Uh, this governance, industry participation. The third one is quality. So we need to improve the quality of the program, quality of our instructors, quality of our students, and so on. And then the next one will be what we say the funding. Uh, nowadays, because of the, you know, keep uh, un, you know what we say, increasing demands against diminishing resources, so public sector government cannot alone fund TVEP programs. We need industry to come in. Uh, used to be partnership, but if we can have co-ownership by industry from the beginning, they develop jointly develop the curriculum, and they they determine what will be the supply and demand in the next four or five years. And we can decide then how many to take now, and we shall have industry people to come and teach in the in the Tibet institutions, and Tibet instructors go and attach themselves in industry. So that way we need to do. So the, the last one is we we have to have a, what we say rebranding of Tibet uh, to make it more attractive to to tell the good stories. Uh, it's not that 3D job that pay low. Uh, with little career advancement. In Tibet, there's one route, which is like if after SPM, you take a diploma, for example, you go to find a job, you get a job, you're unlikely to get it, you're likely more to get a job than, for example, uh, an an unpopular degree program. And then with that, you have a means of living. Uh, And then after several years, you can further study, you chase your dream of getting a degree, Either through what you have raised through your, you know, savings from your work, or your employer can, you know, uh, fund you. So that gives you less reliance on your PTPTN and so on. So that's a very kind of a very uh, uh, commendable and acceptable route.
1: And just very very quickly, uh, because we don't have much time left, we do have a caller on the line, uh, Shankar. Good evening. What's your question?
0: Good evening. I would like to congratulate the gentleman on his sense and sensibilities on the topic. I think he's eloquent. Uh, I just would like to ask his take on uh, Industry 4.0 versus Tibet. I'm of the opinion that Industry 4.0 is going to displace a lot of jobs, but it cannot displace manual skills, at least for a while yet. And I would like to find out what are the ministry's efforts and his efforts in uh, doing this. And uh, thank you very much. I'll listen to it over the air.
1: Thank you so much for that call, Shankar. Um, Dr. Naim, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, Thank you for that question. I think it's a very relevant question. Uh, you know you know this IKEA uh, factory that makes furnitures? Uh, is called uh, a duck factory where there are not many people as... Robots are. So there are more robots than people. They have, uh, but they are doing that because they don't have enough people, ageing society. But Malaysia has a 32 million population with uh, demographic dividend. We have still a useful population, plus surrounding populous countries. Uh, this is one of the reasons that we still rely on, on, on the labour intensive industry. But uh, taking cognizance of in future what will happen. For example, in the accountancy program, we have introduced uh, green environment accounting uh, for let's say banking and finance crowdfunding f- fintech uh, e sharia uh, retail management we have introduced, introduced cloud based point of sale systems uh, uh, e-tailing uh, green retailing for marketing we have digital marketing plan introduced in the in the programs uh, technology in and uh, digital payment mobile application e-commerce blockchain uh, green logistics and, uh, and so on and so forth. So we are doing it, embedding new technologies into present uh, curriculum. Uh, as they say, this first industrial revolution will be very disruptive. Uh, jobs will change, but jobs will not diminish. There will be more jobs, but di- jobs of a different nature. For example, maintaining the, the computer servers that run these programs, you know, uh, coding people that change from time to time. So, a person graduating from TVET institution, also from degree programs, need to be a lifelong learner. They need to continually learning, be adaptive and adopt themselves to what is changing. So change is the only constant.
1: Dr. Naim, thank you so much for joining thank us you. today. It's my pleasure. That was technologist Dr. Mohammed Naim Yaqub, Acting Director General at the Department of Polytechnic and Community College Education at the Ministry of Education, talking to us today about TVET or technical and vocational education and training, and really the path forward for it. Um, if you have any questions, do send them through still, I think. We might follow this up. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you can WhatsApp us at 18 789 and tweet us at BFM Radio. This is the evening edition, BFM
0: 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my, BFM 89.9, The Business Station.